You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If they can get 40000 for their eggs, My Little Swimmers at least are worth fifteen hundred. And out of all of our siblings, we are the only ones to have not have had kids yet. Which I feel like is a very common thing amongst LGBTQ plus people. I also stumbled upon some really crazy boutique egg donor websites. Having a very, very close, close relationship. relationship. Yeah. I think they said they had like 11 eggs. <laughs> can we talk... I mean, I don't know. I'm tired. I, you're telling me. And I haven't I even am, done anything today. And I, mm, don't even get me started. Oh, too late. So I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. We know. <laughs> oh, this is a podcast, but if you could only see my eyes right now. I think we can, unless all of our cameras shut off again. <laughs> Speaking of things going wrong, I had a doctor's appointment this morning. My first doctor's appointment in like two years. I was going to get blood work done and a bunch of other stuff because they need to know things about my body, just like I should know things about my body. Anyway, I showed up and I sat in the lobby for half an hour, found out my appointment was not for like another hour and a half. I had driven half an hour to the clinic, sat half an hour, drove back half an hour just to not get anything done. And so then I get home and it was already time for lunch. And then we sit down to shoot this podcast. We set everything up and our cameras just keep dying over and over and over again. And then microphone issues, the whole bit, all of it. And then we like kind of film a whole podcast for an hour. (laughs) And then Matthew gives me like these eyes and he's like, I need to go to the gym. I have an appointment. And I'm like, okay, okay. (sighs) And then all the cameras were dying. And so we're like, we're just, let's just do it again. We're just going to do it again. Let's just do it again. All that to say, the weather is kind of like, it's been so weird. Life right now. It's dumb. It is one minute sunny, warm. I want to go outside with my t-shirt on. The next minute it's hailing, hitting the window. It's awful. It's crazy. It's weird. It's really windy. It's so crazy. (gasps) Okay. Well, but I, I mean, like, that's also how I feel about baby stuff, surrogacy, life in general. See, it's a pivot. Oh, oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of, welcome back to the Who's Your Daddy podcast, where we work to demystify the process of starting a family through non-traditional means. From foster to adoption to IVF and surrogacy come along as we navigate this tricky space on our own journey to fatherhood. From parents who have navigated these processes before to the experts that help pave the way. Together, we hope to gain insight and answer as many questions as we can. We are your hosts and husbands, Michael and Matt, 
And we are here to talk about how the heck did we get here? How did we get here? And where are we? Well, like the weather, things changing rapidly, not really knowing where we're at. Things are up. Things are down. One minute. I'm feeling sunny. If anybody came here for an uplifting, positive experience, you're in the right place. (laughs) It sounds like it. But at the moment, I mean, come on. The journey to parenthood is difficult. No one said it was going to be easy. That's true. Uh, Actually, everybody said it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Before we started. But, man, I don't know. Just like... The whole thing, one minute it's great, next minute you're like, am I ever going to be a father? Am I ever going to be a parent? Today we've done a lot of reflecting on where we started with surrogacy and how we got here and how we even chose the path of surrogacy. Yeah, Um, that's what we're talking about. So we're really going to dive into that, but I also just want to (laughs) like pay attention to the emotions because I am an emotional being and I'm very cognizant right now that... um. Just temper- temperamental, and I'm feeling a whole bunch of things about. Aww. We love an acknowledgement and of feeling where we're at. So, I just like, I don't know. We've been in the process for a year and a half now, and I know that we have embryos frozen in a lab somewhere. Spoiler alert. <sighs> well, it's not news, and <laughs> <laughs> for a first-time listener, well, they're there, so we know that. We've been waiting a year and a half. We're looking for a surrogate right now, and there's no there's no finish line. There's nothing that says like, oh, this is where you're going. This is, you know, this is when you're gonna match with a surrogate. It could be six months, it could be a year, it could be a very long time. And so, like the weather, like the sun, I don't know when the sun's gonna come out from behind the clouds. Mm-hmm. It could come out any moment. It's like what that's what it's like being married to you. Wow. <laughs> Well, with that, I think we'll have Never you know when start. Never know when it's going to come out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not going to be up for a while if you keep up that attitude. So how did we make this decision? How did we go from... Um, <laughs> how did we get to the decision of wanting to become parents? I think where I wanted to start or the the question or maybe maybe it's just us answering is... How do you land on which process you're mm. going to use for family building? So yeah. as a male, male, gay couple, essentially we have three options. Um, we can foster um, and you can foster without the intention of adopting or you can foster with the intention of adopting. Obviously, we would like to have children of our own. So we would be fostering with the intention of adopting um you can do or private you can adoption private adoption yeah um which is kind of like a separate process um and then obviously the third is surrogacy i think we need to rewind to end of 2021 beginning of 2022 i don't know starting the family building process and making the decision of like okay which way are we going to go what are we going to pursue first so take me back to December 2021, January 2022. What's going on? Where are we? Oh, oh my God. Well, besides the pandemic. Besides the panini. <laughs> we had talked about having kids ever since we first met. I feel like even on one of our first dates, we brought up the topic of like, oh, we should have kids. And I said, I do mean, you have a uterus? <laughs> not we, but like, well, you get what I'm saying. 
so i think that yeah i got i got it for sure yeah um we we've always wanted a family michael grew up with seven siblings mm-hmm. i have one full brother and then several half siblings and out of all of our siblings we are the only ones to have not have had kids yet which i feel like is a very common thing amongst lgbtq plus people but we are the favorite children i must i must um caveat <sighs> we're the favorite children but we're still competing with the grandkids. I know. We need some grandkids. We got to keep our status. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed, but like when your siblings have kids, your parents no longer value you. Yeah. You're no longer the most important. <laughs> you're no longer the commodity. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Looking and, at you, Kim. <laughs> I mean, me as, me as the youngest, I really feel that. If we have anybody out there listening who's the youngest child, I hope you relate with me. Yeah. And that you're not the baby anymore. You're not. There's the real baby. So, yeah, I guess our goal in having a family was just to become favorable in our parents' eyes again. Yeah, mostly just to gain favor with um, our parents (laughs) again so that they would value us. (laughs) Okay, anyways, back on topic. January 2022, all the things that are happening. We had talked about kids before. And now we're starting about actually going right. on a journey. And we never specified like what exactly we would land on decision wise of like how we would get kids. Correct. Um, we had we had talked about foster to adopt foster care. We uh, talked about private adoption and we had talked about surrogacy, um, but we didn't really make a decision. We're just my, like, those are options. I um, of all my siblings, I have six siblings. So, no, I have seven siblings. Ah, Um and they all have children, um, but one of them, right before, um, like we started talking about this seriously, were fostering and were had opened their home. They had three kids on their own, um, and then they were opening their ho- home to foster, and they had a few placements. But they had this boy that got placed with them, and that just absolutely fits so well. Um, and they ended up adopting him, and I was his godfather yeah and so you actually flew back during i flew back 2020 yeah i know for his i think baptism right yeah so it was like a joint like adoption ceremony baptism um and that was like july 2020 um but anyways it was it was so valuable to have like that background of of just how difficult and um time consuming that process can be and rewarding at the same time and then i mean yes of course absolutely ultimately ultimately in the end being rewarding and we also have friends that were going through the foster care system and kind of just kept hitting roadblocks and i think that was around the time when we're trying to figure out what we want to do you know and ultimately making a decision so i think it felt like red flags were just going up on not so much red flags as like red flags Warning of like signs of of this time in our life like ooh, i don't know if that's if we're yeah, quite ready for that and i think what i just sort of like my gut feeling is like i think the way that it worked well for my sister was like she had her family she had like children of her own she had kind of like raised them up through i think they were like 16 was the oldest at this point And then as they're fostering kids, like one, her kids are learning about, um, you know, how like the foster system themselves. And then they're actually like kind of old enough. They can kind of like help. They almost were like helpful in a way, right? Mm -hmm. When they would get like Mm -hmm. a a younger kid and, 
you know, maybe they would have behavioral issues or maybe they would just need extra support. And I guess in my mind, I thought that that was a pretty good way of, of going about it. Um, yeah. I, maybe that's, maybe that's not like the best way to go I, about yeah, it. And I other have no idea. people who are like experts in the, the, the system and, um, who have fostered before can maybe lend a little bit of definitely uh, an area that I would like to know more about. Yeah. And we, we have eventually we're going to be kind of talking to more people who have actually gone through that. But at that point in 2021, early 2022, that's kind of where we were approaching it, approaching this at was, yeah. Hey, um, I like candidly did not think we were in a place to take kids on into our house and, be able to care for them full time at that point in time even though we're like discussing hey let's start a family uh i just was very aware of the fact that the way that we were living our lives you between jobs me about to start full-time nursing i had just gotten out of nursing school i was applying for jobs and uh we also had this business on the side that we're running um (laughs) it's not so much the side it was like kind of our main thing almost at that point yes and so it, it was kind of like juggling these full-time jobs and also being like hey let's start a family i just was very aware if we were called in a month two months and the um foster care was like hey we have a a child that needs placement right now i don't think we would have been able to do it yeah in a good way i think in the future um we were traveling a lot that's been a lot of our history is um travel photography, travel writing, um, just just sort of showcasing different parts of the world. And then obviously we enjoy that, like immersing ourselves in a culture and trying the food and um, kind of just seeing new places together. I think that's a little bit on the downswing, but at that time it was pretty um, heavily a part of our life. And that just doesn't seem to like jive well if you're trying to be open to the foster system. Well, that's the big thing is it's it's so unpredictable in the sense that once you are in the foster care system, you could end up with a child tomorrow or <laughs> it could take several years yeah. before you get a placement that sticks and you're able to um, pursue adoption of that child. And it's not saying that you're like when you sign up for the foster care system, you're not necessarily going to end up with a baby or an infant. I mean, that's the truth is that there's, I think like the majority of, of kids who are, yeah, I mean, probably anywhere between like three and 12. And I know that there are some that are like older than that for sure. I guess if I were to wager a guess, the majority of them would be between like ages of three and 12. But mm. yeah, I mean, like they're not an infant, they're not a baby. They're the most like transformative um, years of their life are past. Um, and depending on what happened during those years, a lot of times they need help sort of like dealing with what happened to them prior. I mean, that's the other truth is that a lot of times um, foster care adoption is rooted in some form of trauma. Um, There's a reason that these kids are orphaned Mm -hmm. and you're not just inheriting a child to take care of, but you also have to consider that that child's been through some kind of trauma that you need to be prepared to deal with and to... You need extra time and you need extra attention. Yeah. Neither of which we had at that point in time. 
and so not being able question. to not being able to crystal ball into the future of knowing like when you would get placed with somebody and when right. you might be able to adopt. So it begs the question, why do we think we would be ready for children then or pursue surrogacy at that no, time? No, I know, right? Yeah. So so then that lefts us leaves you with private adoption, right? Or surrogacy. Mm-hmm. Um private adoption, wonderful. Would love to pursue that at some point in the future. Again, I think um just looking at websites and doing a little bit of research our hope goal wish would would be to start our family by having a baby and being able to raise them um you know kind of from day one Mm. and that's not always possible and i and from what i've researched there are a lot of people waiting (laughs) for infants there are a lot of how many people there's wait lists are closed. I mean, like infant <laughs> infant adoption wait lists are closed in many instances. Mm, mm-hmm. And so a lot of the time, I think those private adoption websites end up being somewhat similar to like a foster system in the sense that like they were placed with a family. It didn't work out. Now they're seven years old and they need somewhere to be. Um, and so it's a very, I think it can be a similar process, but I mean, again and then and then it's like this, there's differing laws in different states anyways i think at some point we want to go down that road but to have like baby from day one kind of like go through a step-by-step process i think that that's sort of how we landed on surrogacy is that it was just sort of like well you're never going to get a seven-year-old with surrogacy with like lots of trauma in their back in their history yeah. right and like let's maybe like learn how to raise kids from day one and then we'll kind of like get used to just being dads, being a family, and then maybe we'll be more better positioned in the future um, to open the house to fostering or, um, you know, private adoption if we choose to, you know, grow our family beyond. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And I think that's how we landed on surrogacy. There's there's a level of unpredictability with uh, yeah. adoption. Ever, honestly, all of them. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. But the difference is, is that when you sign up for adoption or you sign up for foster care, it, it, to me, I viewed it as um, instant unpredictability. Uh, instant Fair, emotional yeah. roller coaster. You don't know when you're going to get a child through adoption. It could be a couple months. It could be a couple years. <laughs> Um, and yeah, there's a step-by-step process to it, kind of like surrogacy, but you know, those steps can go a little bit faster and you can get a call and be like, okay, this, a, a, a child needs a home now. And knowing that like we weren't in a place in our lives where we could readily be available that quickly, um, that was a big determining factor of like being like, Hey, we're we're definitely not going to be able to do this at the, at, the, at the moment. But with surrogacy, it's like a delayed emotional roller coaster. <laughs> delayed unpredictability. It's just drawn out. It's like, do you want to have a lot of emotion at one time or do you want to just draw it out? It was kind of like, we want to take of emotion. all the steps that we can do to like prepare slowly for having a child, for having a baby. And then we'll see what happens in the future. But like putting ourselves in the best case scenario setting ourselves up for success step by step day by day um and we're gonna do that for a year and a half two years see where we're at and then maybe we'll have a baby yeah (laughs) hopefully fingers crossed and 
Because you, you still know, don't know. And you know, you kind of have like, it kind of gives you a timeline. You know, you do the embryo transfer. Typically, babies are in there between 30 and 40 weeks, depending on how things go. You've got at least a couple months of like preparation. And as long as everything goes well, you kind of have like at least a, an idea of when baby is here within a two month range, hopefully. As or the baby can be born very prematurely. Yeah. And NICU and all the things and difficulty. Or I know like, you just sort of hope and pray and that everything works out. But, but at least like know. for the time being, we're like, okay, we could start. Yeah. And we don't have to deal with any of that until later. So hopefully we could just like, oh, I could just imagine everybody right now who has kids being like, you got to let go of control because there's nothing you can control in this situation. I know. I know. But we like to think we can. Mm. You watch it. We control everything. We even control biology. (laughs) No, we don't. So I, I that that's a good explanation of like where our mindset was at at the time, um, early 2022. We started looking up. I and I mean this is after I was already Google searching, um, information on foster care, information on private adoption, and a ton of info on surrogacy. And for us, we knew quite a few people who had already gone through the process of surrogacy or who were like already mid process. And we were also following a lot of um, just people people online online and interacting with them. And it seemed like most of them had done surrogacy. And so it was like, okay, well I feel like most of the people around us are doing that. It seems to have worked for them. And Mm -hmm. that is just sort of what felt safe and comfortable i do feel lucky that we had people to talk to about it um and i also feel unlucky not knowing anything about surrogacy when i first started i don't know i just like i didn't even know what questions to ask that that was the hard part is not knowing what you don't know Mm -hmm. and not knowing um how i guess it at the beginning it was like oh yeah this is this is obviously what you do and then (laughs) then you talk to more and more people and you're like oh you didn't you didn't do it that way huh but you you ended up with the same result but like you kind of took a different path and it's like oh okay so maybe there's just maybe it seems like it's straightforward and but it's not really it's not straightforward at all yeah but but that's why we're here how did we start on it to demystify it for you (laughs) because we decided we said all right after a lengthy discussion we're like all right let's start looking into surrogacy we can start at least researching figuring stuff out um you went to work and i started calling people yeah i <laughs> am very appreciative of that i was at work and i, f- I feel like that was <laughs> maybe that's just when you feel like you have the most time on your hand is when like i'm not in the house <laughs> and then you were able to like call a bunch of people so we we kind of did a well i should say matthew mostly i think did a lot of phone calls for oregon washington california texas yeah anywhere else i actually wrote a few down <gasps> look at you a paper da, 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 a drum roll please mm-hmm. okay so in oregon i called a family tree surrogacy i think they're the first ones i spoke to because we actually have a couple friends who were um also about doing it. yeah also talking to them um northwest surrogacy all family surrogacy and then also 
ORM, which is a fertility clinic up in Portland, um, and OHSU, Oregon Health and Science University. At OHSU, Oregon Health Science University, I remember calling them in March of 2022, February, March, I think it was February, and I was like, hey, (laughs) I want to set up um, a consultation, and I would like to talk to somebody about um, IVF at OHSU, and they told me, well, we have kind of a waiting list. So they set me up on the like a phone consultation waiting list. And the waiting list was over 300 people long. And they told me that they would get back to me in July or August to schedule my phone consultation to just talk about IVF. And I was just thinking about this. Didn't OHSU, weren't they like they wouldn't work with certain agencies or something? Wasn't that like part of the part of the problem because you actually worked at OHSU for a little bit yes and they had some sort of like insurance benefit it was a five thousand dollar discount like one time on thing IVF through OHSU and I and we were sort of like oh well that would be like maybe good or like maybe we could just use that benefit totally but then I think when we were talking to an agency they were like oh yeah they, they don't really work with agencies very well Right, yeah. And maybe that's false, but I feel like there was a... I was like, oh, well, then uh, there's no way we can use them. Oh, when we spoke to a different clinic, I won't name names, but when we spoke to somebody else, they were like, I I don't know that they necessarily work with gay couples a lot, so I don't know that they're that experienced with embryo transfers into gestational carriers as much as they are, like, which I don't know what the difference would be, but, like, IVF between, like, a straight couple, I guess. Mm. So, like the egg retrieval and like all that with which i don't yeah i don't know if that's that much different but i do i do think that we were sort of like encouraged to use a clinic and um that has experience working with uh, you know gay couples whether that be male male or female female or i mean yeah we heard different things from different people regarding ohsu and the frequency at which they work with gay couples etc obviously they work with a lot of people or a lot of straight couples at least because the wait list was so long yeah just to get a phone consultation so i think that was that was a determining factor for me was like well i'm not gonna wait five six months just to get on the phone with um a hospital um i would like to talk to a doctor as soon as possible or somebody in the field to get some information i think that i think the anxiety around being on a wait list or being like oh yeah we have uh, we'll call you back in two weeks or, oh, well, let's set up a call in a month or two. It's like, God, when you're in this process, you don't really want to have somebody that feels so far away. Well, it's not, not even that. It's just like we haven't even started. And haven't even it, started. Like delaying the start by. Yeah. It's just if you want, I was thinking like, oh, my gosh, how hard is it going to be to get a hold of somebody or like, right. like get questions answered? if they're this bogged down yeah. and that's not their fault. It's just, it was an anxiety of mine that I had where I was like, Ooh. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does it feel great. Like maybe somebody who's more responsive, who's on top of it. Who's like, who would, who's going to be able to answer questions when they come up in a timely manner. Right. And we had some, we had a great conversation with RM. Um, we actually really great almost went with RM actually yeah. when we were talking to them. Cause they were, very knowledgeable gave us um just gave me a lot of confidence in what they do 
Um, they work with a ton of LGBTQ plus couples and a lot of international couples, tons of international th- couples come to Oregon. Of, I think they're sort of like Oregon's premier like IVF clinic. Oregon's premier nightclub. CC Slaughter. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Inside joke. If we were to do it again, I would almost just do that. Like I, I would almost keep it local. Spoiler alert. We ended up going with an agency and a clinic in Texas. And we'll talk a little bit about why we did that. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you had talked to everybody. Yes, I had talked to a bunch of IVF clinics and surrogacy agencies in Oregon, Washington, California, uh, and Texas. And (laughs) it's like so random, like all on the West Coast and then in Texas. But I'll get to that. One of the main things that we were asking these IVF clinics um, and surrogacy agencies is if they work with LGBTQ couples who do double embryo transfers because that was a big thing that we were considering and to be fair like a lot of what we had heard and seen about IVF and surrogacy previously were with um, double embryo transfers or gay couples having twins otherwise known as twiblings twin siblings where one of them is related to one father and the other one is related to the, to the other father. They're, they um, share the same maternal DNA mm-hmm. and they have different fathers. Correct. But they're put into the same surrogate or gestational carrier yep. at the same time and they're born as twins. As twins. But they're siblings. But they're also kind of twins. Technically half siblings. Yes. <laughs> we call them twiblings twiblings yes um so yeah that that happens a lot in or it has happened a lot in the surrogacy world 
And we had talked about it in length because both of us have the desire to have like a biological tie to our children going mm-hmm. through surrogacy. And it's like the, it, it just seems a, like a, ve- it's a very convenient way for both people to have a child in kind of like one go of everything. And one of the biggest things that we were talking about was just the cost of everything. And through talking to different IVF clinics and surrogacy agencies, um, we just like dollar signs and both, both of us were like, I don't know how we couldn't see doing the process twice. Like how would we ever be able to afford doing this whole thing twice? So the idea, then it's either, okay, we're going to have to choose who's going to be the father, who's the daddy of (laughs) the baby or is there a way that we can work with surrogacy agencies and IVF clinics to do um, twiblings, a double embryo transfer, because that's a fraction of the price additional compared to doing the whole process over again. And what we found in talking to these clinics is that they're not, a lot of clinics don't recommend doing that anymore. And they, they really shy away from it and actually uh, encourage you not to do it. Um, And some just won't. So mm-hmm. there's really good reasons for that. <laughs> it's all about mitigating risk. Mm-hmm. Um, we both worked slash work in healthcare, and the name of the game is risk versus benefit. Risk right? versus benefit. So you want to minimize risks and you want to increase benefit. From what we were told, and what we researched. I mean, we looked this stuff up and we saw the yes. And by by <laughs> when I say what we were told is what we were told from our fertility doctor is that essentially you double the risk. You go from like 3% to 6%. Um, chance of miscarriage. Chance of miscarriage, chance of um, issues, that sort of thing. So, so there's more risk to the gestational carrier as well as the babies. Correct. Um, when you do a double embryo transfer. But the reason that we've seen double embryo transfers, triple embryo transfers, etc., in the past, a lot of the time was because um, years ago when there was lesser known about surrogacy and IVF, um, they would often put multiple embryos in because the chances were that if you put three in, only one would make it. Mm -hmm. There was a higher attrition rate of embryos. Right. Like when they transferred. Science has advanced, yada, yada. Which I would love to talk to our doctor about that. Like why, why did that happen back then? And what's changed? I think, okay. Stay tuned. Yes. I would love to learn more about that, but I think it has something to do with the PGA testing and the way that they look at the embryos under the microscope to figure out grading. Stay tuned. Yeah. We'll talk about episode, but I am really interested in that stuff because I I do find it fascinating that like science is able to, you know, yeah, do that. Well, that's how you end up and ended, ended up with like Octomom or whatever. They put eight embryos in. Oh not my thinking God, that, I remember that. <laughs> not thinking that <gasps> like one, well, then she got a TLC show or something, didn't she? And that is so inappropriate. It is. Octomom. I know. I was like, that is not very PC, but that's what they said. Like, I mean, I know. At, sorry. As a child, nothing was PC, I guess. No. So, it was just <laughs> like, come oh, on. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. Um, so... That was the big determining factor, at least at the beginning, of figuring out what we could do. I mean, to be fair, we didn't know. We we're just exploring our options. We we're like, risk versus benefit. Could we do this process twice? Probably not. Okay, well, maybe we should approach this on a double embryo transfer type of way. 
and see if we can work with um, a surrogacy agency and an IVF clinic that are very confident in that field. And I don't know, that's kind of like the feeling I was trying to get from talking to these different agencies and process of elimination through that. We Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> babies are bigger. You know, more babies. We want all the babies. Double embryo transfer. No problem. Right. Oh, that reminds me. The everything's bigger in Texas, including the population, including the population. There's like 8 million people in the metro area of Dallas, Fort Worth, just twice as many people that live in the state of Oregon. So when we were looking at the possibility of like trying to find an egg donor or a surrogate and you're trying to you're you're trying to do all these things and figure out if you can do all of these things locally. So. Because you have to pay for travel for everything and you have to pay for missed wages for everything. So thinking of like, okay, well, e- even in Portland, right? It's like 2 million people. Um, but there's so many people that come to Oregon to do surrogacy and IVF. And that's just displayed with like how difficult it is sometimes to get a phone call with a clinic or an agency. Mm-hmm. And it seemed a little bit easier in Texas, but it seemed like they were, um, they had a really good track record. Um and just with Dallas itself being a relatively large metro area, it was like, okay, we might have a, maybe we'll have more options of like egg donors. Maybe there's going to be more options of surrogates. And I don't know if Texas is quite as popular as, you know, some sometimes the West Coast seems to be. I mean, I haven't be. heard of any, no one that we knew had gone to Texas to do surrogacy. Yeah. But yeah. I... I just kept hearing it's a great state to do surrogacy. It actually has great, it has weirdly good laws thus far, knock on wood, um, for surrogacy and gay parents, like LGBTQ parents going through surrogacy and adopting the kids and we can both be on the birth certificate. Mm -hmm. I looked, I triple checked. It's all online. It's like you can be parent one, parent two or father one, father two. And wow. Got some really nice feedback from the agency Got to talk to a IVF um, clinic and the doctor there who's gay and going through IVF <gasps> himself. And so I think that it's always nice when your doctor can kind of is kind of going through the same thing you are. Right. Um, I think they that just adds another layer of just like empathy, understanding. Um, also in Texas, maybe there are a few health insurance plans that have a surrogacy rider. Oh, where yes. You might not have to buy a some sort of additional insurance coverage because if you're a surrogate your health insurance doesn't cover your pregnancy we as the intended parents have to buy a separate insurance plan for that one year and for like the delivery of the child and the health care costs quite pricey it is pricey and i think you still have to buy that but it's like you don't have to have this rider if they have it in their insurance rider i don't know anyways i was like oh my gosh texas sounds like it's really made for surrogacy um maybe this is our, <laughs> maybe this is the best <laughs> route. And I mean, maybe we were right and hopefully it is. Um, well, we did have to turn down the fertility clinic that's like really regarded <laughs> right down the street, but it's okay. I think that's how we ended up in Texas thinking that it might be a little bit more economical or very open to the concerns that we had and we get a gay doctor. Out of the whole yeah, thing. it was a big combination of like, oh, we have a gay doctor. And also, there's the possibility of an insurance rider. And I think that... So it's a monetary benefit. And then the availability of surrogates and egg donors there. 
was advertised as being much more plentiful than in Oregon. I also feel like I remember the IVF clinic and the agency having a very, very close Close relationship. relationship. Yeah. And I don't remember or I don't know that we had... I think ORM here has a pretty good relationship with a few agencies um, well, that was, in Oregon, but it's just such a small state. I think, um, yeah, if I remember back when we were talking to the agencies in Oregon, we there, there were several agencies that we were talking to that did not do double embryo transfer, and that was not a thing. And they were um, a little bit more expensive than what we would have been paying in Texas. So if we went with Oregon, it would be single embryo transfer only, and it'd be a bit more expensive. Additionally, there was a much cheaper agency that would do double embryo transfers, but they did not work with ORM, and ORM did not work with them. So for that, it was like, all right, so could we work with an agency that's in a different state and then do our IVF clinic here in Oregon? That was a possibility. Well, and your agency's going to be coordinating travel for your egg donor and all sorts of things. And if they're in the same town, sometimes I think that's just nicer. Right. Yeah. And we didn't mind, like, we love traveling. So, like, why not? <laughs> was, yeah, of course. Let's do it in another state. Let's travel somewhere for this. It's going to make our baby in Texas. <laughs> exactly. So, I, I do think we did something a little bit interesting with starting the process because we kind of wanted to hit the ground running and just see where things go. Um, But we were also very adamant about getting our team of people together very quickly. So for some reason, we felt like we had to do like everything at the same time. Yeah. If we were to go back and do it over again, I think we would do things way differently. I think I was I think we were a little hyper fixated on the fact that like we need to make sure this IVF. Well, (laughs) it was kind of weird. It was like we weren't sure if certain people worked with OHSU. Then we were like, ORM doesn't work with this one. And I think. I think we were just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to a clinic and then them not work with like whatever agency what we want to work with. But yeah, I I think if we were to do it again, um, we probably would just work on getting our embryos together. Yeah, before we would hire a surrogacy agency. Correct. Because that's what I think I would do differently. Not that there's anything wrong with the agency. Not that there's anything bad about having an agency. I just think I would have focused like you can't really do anything with the surrogate until you have embryos. And so it's just like maybe just let's just focus on getting embryos. And that is a, you know, a good chunk of change. And then again, every surrogacy agency is different. So it might might totally depend. Um, But in our case, it was like when you sign with your surrogacy agency, yeah, you can start working on your profile as intended parents but you aren't going to be shown to any intended surrogates until you have embryos Mm -hmm. like you're not even on the list until you have embryos yeah so we also say that but when then also with the history of like we found our egg donor through our agency but not all agencies have an egg donor database so i mean yeah i guess i should say you know Maybe that's just how we were supposed to do it. But I think if we were to say, like, do it again, maybe just fertility clinic first, make sure you get embryos, make sure they're healthy, make sure everything passes there. Because once you sign a retainer for an agency, you can't get it back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you don't have good embryos or, like, 
you start going and there, you run into hurdles at a at, through the IVF process, like that's no good <laughs> to just be out that money if you ch- decide to change course, you know? I mean, we would have had a lot more control over everything if we had just worked with an IVF clinic individually and then signing with a surrogacy agency. We just, yeah, wouldn't have had so much, I think, skin in the game so early on. That is going to be a question I think I ask future guests as we go. Like, did you just, how did you coordinate those two things? Or did you have an agency? I think a few of them did everything independently. So there's going to be a bunch of different ways that people went about this. But I think the reason that we took that route was because we didn't know anything going into it. Tried to choose the safest route possible. And we just want, yeah, we wanted someone there to ask all these questions to and to help kind of like tell us what to do. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I felt like, you know, you'd, you'd um, get on the phone with someone or, or talk to someone and, and they would almost look at, look at you like, okay, what next? And I'm like, dude, I've never done this before. <laughs> like, you tell me. What did you want to say on the egg donation? Yeah. So that struck a memory with me because I do remember um, it wasn't just trying to figure out a surrogacy agency and an IVF clinic at the same time. There's also this third party. You have to figure out where you're going to get your eggs. Who is going to be your egg donor? And there are also a lot of egg donation agencies out there. So a lot of people will not only be working with a surrogacy agency and an IVF clinic, but they will also be working with a third party an egg donation agency, which to me is just like, I was so overwhelmed. I don't yeah. know. Like there was so much going on in my head as far as like, I had, I had spreadsheets, spreadsheets of surrogacy agencies of IVF clinics and of egg donation websites and <laughs> egg donation agencies that uh, like in all these like cross hatches of trying to figure out which ones work with which well and the reputations and the success rates and all of this information the costs and the laws it's so complicated it's no wonder that we're sitting down and now trying to talk about all of it because it was kind of a mess yeah that's what we're talking through this process as we're going through it yeah it and hopefully hopefully offering some sort of insight to people who might want to do this but i mean just to give you an idea i was on catalogs looking through egg donors before we even signed with a surrogacy agency or an IVF clinic because the thing was was like all right well if we sign with a surrogacy agency and an IVF clinic in Oregon are there even going to be any egg donors available in the area to donate eggs in the (laughs) near future or are we going to have to wait a year and a half to get (laughs) eggs and when I talked to OHSU they told me they had, <laughs> I think they said they had like 11 eggs. <laughs> Wait, what? Do you mean 11, 11 egg donors? No. Like 11. I'm so confused. They were out. They're out of eggs. They're out of eggs. Welcome to the economy now. Yeah. It was, there was no eggs. In this nothing economy? Organic, nothing. Just, and they had them on, they had them on ice. It was like frozen. Like, we have, like, 11, but we're getting more. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't... Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then looking at some different egg donor websites, 
there'd be like a list of maybe five, six, seven people on there and they'd be spread out, spread out like hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And you're thinking like, okay, you got to pay for travel and all this. And we're also trying to decide between getting frozen eggs or like a fresh donation. There's a lot of background on that. We'll get into it another time. It was advised to us to go for fresh donation because of success rates. So we decided we're going to go that route, even though it's more expensive. And that really limits your availability of egg donors. I also stumbled upon some really crazy boutique egg donor websites where it was like... If you can dream it, somebody's done it. Mm-hmm. There was like <laughs> egg donors for $40,000, $50,000. Bonkers. Um, which is like, whatever, you know, it's... We're paying a high price to to have a baby, and I get it. Uh, but it was forty thousand dollars. It was just interesting how it's framed. It's like, but this person's genetics. But they eat caviar, and I'm like, okay, I... this person's genetics. Which like ethics? It's uh, mm. so many things about that. If they can get forty thousand for their eggs, My Little Swimmers at least are worth fifteen. Hundred. <laughs> Hundred and fifteen. Hundred and fifteen dollars? Hundred and fifteen for sure. Hundred and fifteen dollars. Thousand. Hundred and fifteen thousand. No. Million. Zillion. Well, I mean, if we went by like number, you know, when you give us for like a a semen. Oh yeah, I know, right? More cells than there are for girl. You congrats on your thirty eggs. I had three million swimmers. (laughs) I think that's the only thing that we can like have a leg up on is the number because when it comes down to anything else, we have no room. No, can't do it. Pretty much it. And and that's what really brought us back to Texas was because of the availability. Can I say a sort of like, I don't know if it's embarrassing, but sort of just like a interesting thought. Sure. Like, if you're somewhat small state, my assumption is egg donors would be local it's like how many times has this person donated eggs and like are my children going to be going to school with <laughs> their half sibling that i don't know about you mm. know because mm-hmm. it's like organ small i didn't think about that until just now or maybe i thought about that in the past and now it just it's just reoccurring to me that like if ohsu is like 11 eggs like I, I guess how many egg donors <laughs> are like going through ohsu and then like okay those are probably oregonians maybe using those eggs i don't know anyways just funny (laughs) just a funny thought just a funny thought they have a lot more now i i don't know who i talked to but i don't think i was getting great info it's okay so just take everything i said about that with a grain of salt so anyways we chose our agency and clinic in texas we flew down Mm -hmm. we did the deed yeah we did we donated to the swimmers which um, we're going to dive into that in a different episode too. Um, we chose our egg donor prior to that, obviously. One of the weird things about this process is that you'll spend like nine months just talking and giving money to different people to do different things. And for us, like the sperm donation was the first time that like we got to meet anybody in person. We were doing any doing our part of the process doing in the person deed. um 
So it was, it's like a very weird experience to just like be like sending checks places for like nine months and then just being like, is this how babies are made? Like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm just sending money and then to a bunch of different people to ejaculate into a cup. Yeah. And then you, <laughs> and then it, and then you're like, oh, all right. Yeah. This is, this is my purpose. Okay. I am, I what? do have, I do have a part in this process. <laughs> a small part. It's not just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I <laughs> very small part. The idea of like, oh, this is real when we like actually got down to to Texas and we're like meeting with our surrogacy agency and our doctor and all of it. You hurry up, you get all the stuff done, you sign all these papers and then you wait, 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 wait. And then you go and you do your sperm donation and you sign a bunch more papers and then you wait, 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 wait. wait. Mm-hmm. And then you go for the egg donation. That was stressful. Stressful, but you at least like get to hear about updates and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah, stressful for stressful for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a intense process. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, then once that was done, it was the embryo creation. Several weeks after that, um, hear about the embryos and the genetic results, and then that basically brings us to where we're at now. I mean, we did everything we just talked about, vetting of the agencies, IVF clinics, deciding where we're going, assembling our team, sort of the ups and downs of like how we chose the process now to, all right, you've got the science part, you've got the embryos, and now we're waiting for the match with a gestational carrier Mm -hmm. to carry our little embryos into this world. I really just wanted to go over this entire thing like as an overview very brief just a look over we're looking at it bird's eye view Mm -hmm. we are going to go into each of these parts in a lot more detail um because god oh my god i could just do a whole episode on the sperm donation and we will (sighs) oh oh there's so many just goodness (laughs) gracious um leather chairs oh oh god (laughs) and yeah there's there's just so much in each of these like steps um to talk about and to dissect but i did want to do an overview of just kind of looking at how we got to where we're at now Mm -hmm. and what we're looking forward to coming up yeah and i already know that we have a few people that we're going to talk to about their experience using agencies or going independently Mm. through this process. Mm -hmm. And like, it goes to show you, like I say, there's going to be, or it could be a lot of mess ups through going through surrogacy independently. And I say that, but then I remember like, you can do everything step-by-step to the book. Yeah. And everything can still go wrong. Everything can either still go wrong or major parts of the process can turn out, um, not, not ideal as expected yeah yeah that's just the lesson of everything <laughs> like i said it's um delayed delayed chaos delayed emotional roller coaster we mm-hmm. don't know how everything's going to turn out um but we're laying the groundwork and we're hoping for the best um yeah it's just with adoption and foster care it's more of like instant in, instant emotional roller coaster <laughs> i mean Potentially, right? Potentially. I guess we'll have to talk to a few people and Potentially say, instant say, what is your emotional what is your experience with foster and adoption? Um, I know that we have a few friends 
the did the foster system and I think it was uh, immediately intense and I'm looking forward to talking to them about that and then a few people who had really delayed adoption experiences I think you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. disappointment there so we're gonna get into all of it well we did it that's just like an overview sort of like how we started where we're at maybe a few little tidbits of um, advice or just things to like contemplate if if you're starting this process just a lot of questions more questions coming oh, up this episode so many questions i i do i feel like we're prodding questions um and asking ourselves the same question yeah <laughs> it's really yeah well and it's hard to know like i mean i don't know of many people who have who i've spoken like super 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 in depth about their process um but i think that we're going to learn a lot by by just giving people an hour to talk about how their what their experiences was was like going through these processes um all three and just kind of deep diving into it cuz we were <laughs> we were talking to one of our friends who um and we're like wait I don't know that we necessarily asked about that or we got um you know that level of detail and he was like well it's kind of just not really something you want to bring up at like Sunday dinner, you know, you're mm. <laughs> just like talking about all of your struggles with the foster care system. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. So, but now it's good. I feel like we're going to dedicate a bunch of time and learn a bunch of stuff and all learn from each other. So with that, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, concerns, um, <laughs> concerns other than our well being. <laughs> leave us a review leave a say, comment yes. down below we, i haven't done I say in the youtube videos i haven't done that probably as much as i should right like it obviously helps um we're new to this but i know that it helps to leave a review leave a we should rating. say that at the beginning of the episode i think there's a subscribe you can hit the automatic download yes. into your podcast favorite podcast app oh yes please please do that we'll show up every download week. me Download me. Download me, daddy. Help me. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Anyways, with that, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, daddy's, daddy's out. I almost always forget what we're supposed to say at the end. I know. I always freaking get. Let me have to say it again. Daddy's out. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.